are listening to Dinging Out, a podcast about wasting time in awesome ways. My name is David, and you can find me scavenging the capital wasteland at Sandbox Quint. On today's episode, we'll talk a little bit of Project 1999, quite a bit of Heroes of the Storm, and of course, the big Fallout 4 trailer. Today's recording date is Monday, June 8, 2015, and this is episode number 4. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you. I hope you had a nice couple weeks. We got some great stuff to talk about today. So jumping right in, get on with a little bit of gameplay here. This week in 1999, I haven't been playing a lot of Project 1999, or even EverQuest for that matter. I don't know. It's it's almost like, you know, they came out with that... uh that progression server and it kind of killed my momentum for the game i don't i don't understand why this happened but it's just one of those things um but i did get to play project 1999 a little bit i went back to the shadow knight and uh decided you know after i had done my little stint in guck it was time to go back to kunark made my way back to kunark and uh just decided to do some leveling and stuff over there at the giant fort that's in war silks woods um, so I gained a whole level, one level. So I'm 24 to 25 now, level 25, and that's it. I think I'll be putting this one to bed for a little bit. It's one of those games that I go real hot and heavy on for a little bit, and then I just have to kind of cycle it out for a while and let it cool, eventually get back to it. As for the progression server, yeah, I don't know. All my friends were really heavy into the progression server, it's just one of those things. I was playing a cleric, and it was fun for a while. I was really into it. And then for some reason, it just started getting really boring to me. And it's one of, you know, I have one of those, I guess, personalities to where if I'm really into something and then something drastically changes about it, it kind of kills everything for me. So, you know, for instance, I was really into Project 99, just having a great time there, leveling up the Shadow Knight, just loving it. It was amazing. Uh, it was just, just like old times, you know? And then this uh, Ragefire server comes out, and everyone hops on that, and that's the new big thing. And I feel like Project 1999 got abandoned a little bit by a bunch of my friends, which it's not their fault. I mean, you know, everyone play what you want, you know? Enjoy, enjoy your gaming time. But making the switch over to playing on that server when I feel like I was making a good progression on 99, I almost feel like it took away from that a little bit playing a cleric was cool but it just i don't know it just didn't have the same feeling even the you know the new zones that are on the rage fire server it just didn't have that same feeling of nostalgia that is what i think was grabbing me so hard about uh about project 1999 and of course having all my friends there at the time i mean that helped you know there was always some someone to talk to and something going on and so i think for now that's it for everquest for a little while. I, I'll make my way back around to it. I always do. Although who knows when that'll be. We'll see. But I have found a new game. A new game that I'm just loving right now. And that game is Heroes of the Storm. I'm not a MOBA player. I've never played Dota. Never played Dota 2. Never played League of Legends. Heroes of New Earth. None of that stuff. So I was very timid when it came to the subject of Heroes of the Storm, 
because you hear so many bad stories about MOBAs, just like how toxic the, the environment is there, how, how it's just awful place to be and everyone hates each other and it's just, it's not fun. It's just really um, very intense, you know? But Heroes of the Storm launched. Came out, I think, what, Tuesday of last week or something like that. So I decided to jump in and give it a shot. A couple of my friends also made made the leap. And holy crap, that game is so much fun. It's ridiculously fun. I don't know what there's about it. I mean, I'm not even like a big battleground PvP or in World of Warcraft, which of course has nothing to do with that. But there's just something about the way Heroes of the Storm plays that just makes it very, very addictive. And scary in the fact that you could lose a half hour of your life in what feels like a blink of an eye. Some of these matches you just go through and play and you're, you just feel like it just started and all of a sudden it's over and you look at, the, at the, the, the game clock and it's 30 minutes have gone by, 25 minutes have gone by. It's crazy. So let's go into this. You know, obviously, if you don't know what Heroes of the Storm is, it's a MOBA, which is sort of like a top-down, team-versus-team, objective-based um, battle game. You're just fighting another team of players. And the goal is to progress your team into their base and take down their core, which is sort of like the, the main goal of, of their base for them to protect. It's like a little building there. So there's gates and and towers and you know sentries and stuff along the way the other thing that's on the map are these little um the, i just call them brute camps i don't know what they really are supposed to be called but you can go beat up these little camps of brutes and then if you take the camp then they'll fight for you for a little while on your side it's very very helpful in taking down your enemy's walls and things like that and so you basically just fight your way across the map and push your way into their base take out their core one thing that I've found to be very important in this game is you have to pay attention to the map mechanics because each map has its own specific set of mechanics. So there's like a pirate map and every so often the pirate will spawn a couple pirate chests on the map which drop gold coins. And you have to turn in a certain amount of gold coins to the pirate in the middle and then he will on your behalf start to launch a uh, a cannonball flurry at the other team's base, taking out their towers and all that stuff. These things are very important. What I find is that a lot of players who are just maybe getting into the game, and I'm just getting into the game, I didn't really know it until I played it maybe 10 games or so, kind of figured out the flow. But what I find is that people tend to just kind of hang out in the middle lane and battle it out with each other, you know, kind of back and forth, playing cat and mouse and all that stuff. And and I'll give you an example of how important these map mechanics are. We were in a game, me and a couple friends, to where we were just getting devastated. Player skill-wise, this other team was, they were just on point. Like, they had the better, you know, some characters do well against other characters. So, their their matchup against our matchup of characters was just they had the magic you know and we couldn't beat them in, in a hand-to-hand fight you know just anytime we came together even if it was two on one or or you know three on two with us our numbers in the in, in our favor we would still end up losing or, or having to retreat because they just matched up against us so much better and so we were losing very 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 badly like our core was down to like 40 percent. they were pushed into our base and it, it 
you know, we hadn't even barely broken down their first wall and it was just not looking good. And then about 20 minutes into the match, somehow they just kind of stopped paying attention to the map mechanics and they were just trying to push and push and push. And so we decided, you know, we're really going to focus. We're not going to try and engage them too much. We're just going to focus on um, getting the objective of the map, whatever that was. And I, I think we were playing Dragonshire, which is my favorite map. It's it's basically how this map works is uh, you have to capture a couple of points, the northern, southern end of the map, and in the middle, a dragon will, a dragon guy will become activated. And if you click on him and sort of I guess absorb yourself into him you become a dragon your character turns into this giant dragon guy and you are just devastatingly powerful you can knock down walls you can boot other players which is way across the map it's very it's awesome to get that and so what we did is every time that came up we just focused on getting that and not worrying about the other guys and they were just trying to push into our base so we just did that over and over and over again no matter and even though we were losing so badly and just outmatched and outgunned, we kept focusing on the map mechanics. And after about 30 minutes of the game, we ended up winning. We came back. And I was, you know, I didn't think a win like that was possible. I thought, oh man, you know, just whatever. We're losing this one. We're done. Just coast it out and, you know, get your gold and your XP at the end of the game and just try again, you know? And that was so rewarding when we won that match. It was just, <laughs> you know, the endorphins are going crazy. And you're just like, oh, my God, he's riding the high. You know, like, I can't believe we pulled that off. How did this happen? That was maybe one of their guys fell asleep. The old story of the the rabbit and uh, or the, the tortoise and the hare, you know, where they just get so overconfident that they don't see us sneaking up from behind with our dragon knocking down their walls and taking out their core it was it was just it felt awesome and i'm sure for them they were just like what the hell did you guys what happened you know but it's amazing so there's a couple characters that that i like um i well i ended up buying in uh so heroes of the storm is free to play and there's sort of like a rotating like a rotating group of free trial characters every week and it changes from week to week and it allows you to play those characters without purchasing them but then they go away and you, you have a new set of characters you can play but I ended up buying in uh, on the launch day because they were having some pretty crazy sales so I spent about what it would cost to buy a new game I spent about 60 bucks and it's, that's why I said I would spend 60 bucks buy this like I'm just buying a game and and see what it gets me so I ended up buying uh, I ended up buying the Nexus pack, which came with a bunch of came like eight characters and some mounts and some cool stuff. And then uh, I also bought Johanna, which is the uh, she's the Crusader character from Diablo three. And I bought Uther, who was you know first Paladin or whatever in, in Warcraft. And uh, out of the two, out of all the characters. Johanna and Uther are my favorite. Johanna is like just a crazy, crazy beast of a tank. She's just super defensive, but can also deal out really good damage. And just, you're just kind of a nuisance if you're playing on her. You know, people, you could take on two guys at a time and just give them a run for their money and, and survive. Very, very strong character. It's, it's, it's a cool, cool one to play. But my favorite is Uther. 
Uther is a support, uh, a su melee support. So he's in there with a hammer, just smashing fools, crushing things. But you also get healing spells for yourself and your your uh, teammates. You you can spec him out to get shields or to do stuns. Like he he basically is a stunner and a healer, so you can lock people down for your teammates. And he's big; his body is big, so you can block people into little tight spaces and just hold them in there because there's no um, you can't pass through other characters. What is it? Character clipping. You, you know. You could actually block them into small areas. So if you get a couple people to block someone against a wall, they can't move. You could take them out. That's where Uther shines. He just locks people down, holds them, heals his group, and it's a very strange kind of playstyle. Because you know, I'm not, I never really play healers, you know. Uh, but in this, in this, it's very fast paced, high action, high intensity. It's it's a lot of fun. So yeah, I've been playing that quite a bit. Uh, we've been getting on there for a couple hours every night. Me and a couple friends just rocking matches. I think uh, my count level is up to like 15 or something like that or 14. Uh, it's just not very high. You know, I'm just kind of progressing at a steady pace. I think I've got Uther up to, I don't even know what level. He's up there though. A lot of fun. But of course, time for the big news of the week. And if you haven't heard this news, get out of the vault because what, what the hell? I don't understand. So the big news of the week is the Fallout 4 trailer has launched. It's official. Fallout 4 is coming. I can't wait. And I have another special bit of news that I'm going to talk about in a minute. But I'm going to talk about this Fallout 4 trailer right now. So Fallout 4 has been one of those games that I've been waiting for for a very long time. I'm not a super crazy Fallout you know, hardcore fan, but there's something about the genre and something about the way Fallout does it that is unlike anything else. Like, you know, I saw Mad Max the other day, the new Mad Max, and I've seen all the Mad Max movies, and I like them, and they're cool, and they kind of have their own little take on the apocalypse. But Fallout 4 is something weird. Fallout 4, or just Fallout in general, is like, you know, the basically America gets nuked to hell, and this takes place in like 2077. But it's kind of a weird state of America because everyone's kind of stuck in this 1950s, you know, a chicken in the pot in the kitchen and the, the husband's out and he's a salesman with a hat and a briefcase and, you know, and it's sort of retro futuristic. There's rockets and there's nuclear power and it's it's just a very, very cool vibe to the game. But it ends poorly for everybody because uh, just... When everyone thinks the war is over, there's this like long going on Cold War, I guess, between the U.S. and China or Russia. Or I think it's China. And uh, just when the war is over, all of a sudden, boom, nukes start going off everywhere. And, you know, the, quote, lucky ones were able to escape and uh, get into these vaults, underground vaults, where they stayed for like 100 years, you know, and just kind of like lived in the vaults underground as like these underground communities. So Fallout 4. The, the trailer is all we have right now. The trailer and one 4K screenshot. Um, just from what I've seen, I have a few thoughts. Uh, first of all, people, the biggest gripe that's going on with this trailer right now is everyone is complaining about the graphics. They're saying it looks clunky and this and that. And it just does, it looks like PS3 era games. And, you know, I kind of differ in that, in my opinion, on that. I think the game looks great. I think they're going for a certain aesthetic to the game. It looks very, very Pixar-ish as opposed to 
you know, Wasteland or as opposed to Mad Max, you know, where Fallout 3 was very rough and, you know, hazy and gritty and, and all that stuff. Um, Fallout 4 looks very Pixar-ish, you know, kind of very smooth, very kind of colorful. Um, and that's fine. That's okay. You know, it doesn't mean the graphics are bad. It's just a different style. Uh, and I think it suits, I think it suits Fallout very well, just based on the era in which it's supposed to kind of be taking place, pre, both pre-war and post-war. So anyways, in this trailer, it starts off with the, you know, you hear the news feed in the background. And so, the, you know, the newscaster's talking and kind of speculating about the war and what's going on. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting, you know, we're getting, uh, we're getting some news that we're, you know, we're, attacks are coming, you know, missiles are, nukes are going off, all this stuff. And following a dog through the house and the dog goes running off and the whole time it's flashing back between pre-war and post-war imagery um showing stuff from from pre-war you know little people what running you know for their lives because the nukes are coming they're running up to the vault and it's it's very interesting i almost wonder if we're going to experience that in the game somehow um uh, because while you know say in fallout 3 it's primarily post-apocalyptic there is a scene or there's a section in fallout 3 where you go into a vault and you're sort of in a simulator and uh you're kind of you're simulating this town pre-war where everyone's happy and it's all nice and you know whatever little you know these people are actually really kind of prisoners in the, in this vault which takes me to my next concept. So these people, you know, in, in the tra back to the trailer now, the people are running to the vault to, to get in to be safe, right? Um, one of the things that I do love about the Fallout universe is that there's so many shades of gray. You know, you don't know who's good. You don't know who's bad. The government is sort of, you know, obviously post-nuking, the government is just completely divided. Everyone's trying to make a claim to power. But Vault-Tec, there's so much mystery involved. These people who made these vaults, right? And earlier when I said, quote, the lucky ones got into the vaults, see, th that's the thing. Some of the people who got into vaults got into the good vaults. There were some vaults that were like, okay, these people are going to go in there. They're going to survive and this and that. But it almost seems like in every vault that someone goes into, there's an underlying experiment going on in each vault. Like some of the vaults were purposely left cracked open. Some of the vaults were allowed to receive certain amounts of radiation to see what the effects would be on the people in the vault. Some of the vaults, like I said earlier, had people in simulations, you know, in, in the case of Fallout 3 and, and Vault 112, I think it was, those people were in there for over 100 years, sort of in cryostasis in these like virtual, it's almost like the Matrix, you know. There were other vaults that were experimenting with mind control versus, you know, with via sound being administered through the PA systems. And even even mutants and the super mutants and all that stuff were re results of of experimentation on humans that were going down into a vault to what they thought were going to be safe and survive. So in this in Fallout Four, you are a survivor of Vault One Eleven. We don't know the specifics of that vault. We don't know if it was just fine and dandy or if it was some sort of weird experimentation vault. We don't know. You know, as as one of the scenes shows. You know, you're emerging from Vault 111. You got Vault 111 on your back of your shirt. The other scene that that it really stood out to me was the scene of the garage, where you, I guess it almost looks like it would be a base for your character. I wonder if they're going to expand on the crafting system in Fallout 4, and I really hope they do. 
you know, Fallout 3 had an, had somewhat amount of crafting. Like, you can collect some scraps and make, like, the rocket launcher, which uses debris found around the wasteland as ammunition. Or um, you, can, you can make mines and things like that. But there really wasn't a whole lot of, like, weapon customization or anything. But it almost seems like Fallout 4 is going to incorporate a lot of that. Uh, first off, first thing you see when you when you see this 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 is like the 4K image. Now um, it was also seen in the trailer, but they released a 4K image of of the uh, the garage scene. And so the one of the first thing obviously draws your eyes is the power armor that's hanging on a rack in there, and it's like half constructed, um, which makes me think that it's going to be sort of one of the missions in the game is to to collect items and to build up your power armor. Um, I think that would be a really cool way to get power armor. The other thing that I notice in the background, that it looks like there's a gun on sort of like a pinboard or pegboard in the back, and there's a rifle up there. And then hanging on, on pegs all around the rifle are what look like different mods, you know, different sights, different grips, different butts, different, you know, all kinds of different barrels, whatever. Um, it would just be so awesome to have some sort of weapon customization. You build your own weapons, modify your weapons. I mean, I would love to be able to create some sort of like laser sniper rifle, you know, energy sniper rifle. I know there's the gauze rifle that was in Fallout 3. It's like one of my favorite guns in that game. But, um, you know, you can modify the sights. It would be, you know, I don't know. I mean, even what call of duty allows you to kind of modify things a little bit you know why not why not fallout you know put it put a proper crafting system into a great rpg i think it would be a good idea so anyways i mean that's kind of my thoughts on the fallout 4 trailer i think it looks good i can't wait to see more i'm just so excited and because of this trailer over the last like four days I've been doing nothing but playing Fallout 3 again. So here's my history with Fallout. I've played Fallout 1. I think I probably put 10 hours or so into Fallout 1. I've never beaten it. I always get to kind of far and get to a certain point and then just, you know, kind of lose interest. Fallout 1 and 2 are very old style, you know, Baldur's Gate style games. You know, isometric top down. They're just... It's a different style of RPG, and it's one that I, I really want to like, and I want to try and get into it, like, say, with Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and, and all these games and Divinity and Wasteland. And, um, I, I really want to like these games. I just have a hard time relating to them, I guess. You know, it's, it's hard for me. But Fallout 3 is one that I've put a, quite a bit of hours into um, several different times. Uh, but, you know, since Fallout 4 trailer came out, I decided... Time to go back, check out some Fallout 3, really get back into that world just because I'm so up on the hype right now. I'm, I'm riding the hype train of Fallout 4. Um, so I decided to do that. I got back into Fallout 3. Uh, rather than re-rolling, which is what I normally always do when I go back into that game, I decided to pick up my last gameplay save, which was about 15 hours in. Um, I hadn't done much. Uh, I saved Megaton which in that game you get the option to either save it or blow it up. I'm kind of playing my character as sort of the good guy, almost like a paladin, you know, kind of very honest and 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 helpful and just like the, you know, very good guy, let me protect you, you know. And so, yeah, I saved Megaton. I didn't blow it up, save those people. Um, and, you know, I always try to find a peaceful resolution to every situation. Sometimes it's unavoidable to have to fight 
Um, and that's, that's fine. You know, I, I don't mind the combat in that game either. So we'll start off with the mods that I'm using real quick. I'm not using a lot of mods in Fallout 3 right now. I am, uh, I'm using maybe three. So the first one I'm using is it simulates a borderless windowed mode. So it looks like full screen, but it's really windowed mode. The problem is because normal Fallout 3 crashes, at least for me, if it's running full screen and I go to alt tab or, you know, look up a guide or something like that, if I'm stuck on something, if I go to alt tab, the game just crashes. It won't, it won't work. It's an old game. Bethesda game is buggy. That just happens. So this, this borderless windowed mod works wonders. It's, it's awesome. The other mod, another mod I'm using is it removes the green filter in the game because one of the weirdest things, in, it's kind of annoying to me that in Fallout 3, everything has just this green smoky haze. And I know they're kind of doing it for atmosphere, but at the same time, it gets kind of almost depressing, you know? So this, this mod removes that green filter. So everything is just a little bit more clear, a little bit... Um, adds a little bit of it doesn't really add color to the world but it lets the color of the world come through a little bit but it's not bright or cheery by any means uh, and the last mod I'm using and this one is just awesome it's uh it's called underground hideout I think and the guy who made this also made a mod of the same type for Fallout New Vegas and what this is it's, a, it's like a player home or a player base and it looks like a phone booth out kind of near rivet the town of rivet and you go open the phone booth door and you can click on the floor and it takes you down to a, a an underground base. And this thing is just fleshed out. It's It's got all kinds of amenities in there. Obviously, you got your bed. You can sleep and stuff. But it has a medical station. It has a surgery station. So you can change the way your character looks. You can change your hair. The most helpful thing that it has, it has item sorters. You can go into the into the armory where you store all your ammo and weapons and you can click one button and it will sort all of your ammo out of your inventory and put it into predefined boxes. And then next to these boxes are shelves with buttons on them. And each shelf is designated for a certain type of ammo. And when you click that button, it will pull the ammo out of the box and put it on the shelves like a display. And so you can just run in there and just click, 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 pick up all the ammo, whatever you want to carry out at a time if you're prepping to go on a mission. Super, super helpful. It also has some weapon sorting functionality, although I don't use that because it requires a script extender and I didn't want to put that on there because that can cause some issues. Um, so I don't use the weapon sorting. The other thing it has, it has like 20 mannequins in the armory that you can you know if you if you're into collecting armor sets and things like that and weapons and stuff you can you can load up these mannequins with all your different sets of armor so i've got like five or six different types of power armor i've got some cool like ninja assassin armor that i got out of uh, operation anchorage which is one of the dlcs really really cool features the other thing it has is a uh it's got a, obviously a bobblehead display because bobbleheads are something you collect in the game uh, and they give you stat bonuses and things like that. They're just hidden items out in the world, but you can put your little bobbleheads on display. Um, it's got items so uh, sorting for also medical items, stim packs and med packs and all that kind of stuff. Super convenient inventory management, man. I was running around forever at like 260 out of 300 of my, my carrying weight, which is awful, you know, because I love, if I see a new piece of armor, I want to 
pick it up and take it home, put it on the thing. But I, I often found myself being weighed down and heavy. Um, so I decided, you know, I got to get in there. I got to get some, get some of this armor sorted out to all that stuff. And it's just, everything is labeled. It's so convenient. Done deal. The other cool feature that this has is there's a hidden room that has a bunch of, it almost looks like the, the bat cave, you know, with this wall of computer screens and a, a computer terminal in there. And what this does, this allows you to set up defenses around the outside of this place because monsters can just wander up to your building. If you pop out, there could be monsters outside. So what you can do is, and this takes time and money to be able to do this, you can start building. You can build a fence. You can build a, a lookout post. You can build a guard station. You can put a tent up for the guards so that they can get rest. You can put a firing range out there. And then you can hire guards to patrol and defend your base. And I think you could have up to five at a time. And, and then with the guards, you can tell them what you want them to do. So you can say, okay, I want you to go sit at the lookout base. You need to go to the guard tower. You need to, you guys go train and then you go on patrol you know, for the five guards. And then kind of is a nice little even spread of the guards. And as the guards train, they also level up and become more powerful. And you, I think you can equip them with gear. I don't remember. I haven't tried that yet. And then the last feature of this thing is once you get it, once you get your base all built up and you're ready, you can turn on monster attacks so that occasionally you'll get waves of monsters coming in to beat down your fences and attack your guards and take over your base and you can fight them out. And you can also initiate a, a lockdown of the place, which I haven't tried that. I don't know what that does. Uh, it's one of the weird things about Fallout is that you know, there are consequences to things you do and I don't want to mess anything up. So I'm kind of afraid to push that button. I don't know what it's going to do. I might just do a quick save and then see what it does. I'm sure it just locks the doors, but, you know, you never know. Uh, the other cool thing about this base is that it provides you with a computer terminal to order supplies. One of the biggest things about Fallout, if you're sort of a casual gamer or you're just, you know, really time press you don't want to have to deal about running to different towns and trying to find supplies you know you just want to buy some stim packs or i just need to buy a certain type of ammo rather than trying to hunt down a, a vendor that has that type of ammo really easy and convenient just to buy it from your base you could just go on the computer say okay i need uh i need some uh, microfusion cells i want to buy 500 of them so just click through buy them 100 at a time cost you money go to bed sleep for a day 24 hours you walk outside there's a uh, a Brahma or whatever they are sitting outside your gate with a pack on it. You just go click on him and get your get your items you ordered. They deliver it to your front door. You can order all kinds of stuff, medical supplies, ammo, weapons, all that stuff. So this this is seriously one of the best mods ever. Like out of even out of all Skyrim mods and all that stuff I've I've tried, like this one is just it's simple, it's clean, it works, it's functional, it's it's awesome, and I can't can't recommend it enough if you're into Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas. Uh, this guy did really, really good work. So props to him, and I, I think it's I think it's called Underground Hideout. Just look it up on the Nexus; it's there. So enough with the mods. Um, I just kind of been dedicating my time to just plowing through the game, just going through Fallout 3 and really experiencing it in a way that I really haven't before. Um, really getting absor absorbing myself reading if i see a computer terminal hack the terminal read the logs see what the people are saying because there's just stories hidden in this game everywhere and you get so much background story if you just sit the time take the time to actually get into it 
it's there. And most of it is really, really messed up. <laughs> I mean, they don't pull punches. There's just some really messed up things in that in that game, in that world. Uh, but it's kind of strange just to see, you know, I mean, how how possible could this scenario be realistically? It's uh, it's very it's kind of a very sobering take on on the world and the state we're in right now. You know, just being at you know nuclear odds with uh, with like North Korea, you know, and stuff like that it makes you think like, wow, man, this. Uh, this could end badly, but you know, I'd, I'd rather much rather play that in a game than experience it in the real world. And hopefully, you know, we never have to. So just been playing through, I, I finished the main storyline of the quest, which is you set out of the vault to find your father, uh, which eventually leads you to trying to build a water purification system and all that stuff. Uh, spoiler alert. I finished all that. Um, just been working my way through the DLCs now and, and, and clearing out the rest of the map. I mean, I'm kind of determined. I'm so into this game right now. I'm really determined to just kind of go explore everything because there's so much areas of the map that the story doesn't take you. I, I'm probably 10% of the map cleared, you know, and I think I've got by now, I think I've got like 50 hours into the game and I, I got a perk one of the perks I got when I leveled up was called Explorer, and this basically opens up the map and shows you where every single waypoint on the map is, although it doesn't allow you to fast travel to them, so you actually have to make it over there. So that's what I've been doing, just, just going from waypoint to waypoint and all that stuff. I also made it a mission to actually get into the capital of Washington, D.C., uh, and and go see the down, you know, where, the, where all the big buildings are, the White House and and uh the lincoln memorial and the washington memorial and I, it's really really amazing it must be strange to, if, if you've been to those places in real life i've never been to dc yet but I, I plan on going at some point in my life to go see it uh but to see those places i'm sure if you live there or if you've visited and then to see them what what it could possibly look like just completely destroyed it's really just one of those things that kind of makes you think but they, everything is so just pretty in this game. I mean, for being as ugly and, and just drab and just completely torn up as it is, like, they did such a good job building this game world out. So I've just been enjoying my time exploring. I also got a couple of cool followers. I found, I found Dogmeat, who is basically a dog companion. But the cool thing about Dogmeat is that he doesn't count as a companion. Uh, so you can actually have him. And I got another companion whose name is Fox. And this guy is just awesome. He, I, I, you know, for a long time, I felt very nervous going into any situation in that game. Very sneaky, just hiding, you know, because if you came across a super mutant, you know, there's a good chance you were getting your ass handed to you. But now with Fox and with dog meat, no fear. I don't even crouch and, and sneak anymore. I'm just running in there because those guys are just tough mother effers and they got my back. So I'm just having a good time playing some Fallout 3. And <laughs> it's like I want to get through the game and I want to see it all. I want to do all the DLCs really fast. But at the same time, I want to take my time and enjoy it and play it nice and slow and, and just see everything. I'm so torn because now... I also want to play Fallout New Vegas. I'm in this crazy Fallout mood, and this happens to me every once in a while. I own Fallout New Vegas as well. Um, I've heard mixed things on it. And some people say it's great. Some people say it's not great. Some people say they prefer Fallout 3. Some people say they prefer Fallout New Vegas. 
I just want to play it. But I don't want to start on it until I'm completely satisfied with my position in Fallout 3. Because I know once I go into that one, I'm probably not going back to Fallout 3 for a good while. So, anyways, that that's where I'm at right now. So my last order of business here is uh, goes back to the Fallout 4 trailer. Something I'm super excited about. I actually won tickets to E3. I live in Southern California. I've always wanted to go to E3. Never had the opportunity. Tickets, you know, generally the general population, general mission, normal people like me and you and whoever are not allowed to go into E3 unless you want to pay eh, about 900 bucks for your ticket. You can buy them, but they're expensive. So I've never been able to get into E3. I've always wanted to go. I've even applied <laughs> as a media person with my podcast credentials, you know, submitted things showing you because we've done some, you know, over at the Sandbox podcast, we've interviewed devs. I mean, we've done proper media pieces over there. But, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, unless you're a super popular podcaster, you're generally not considered media. So I've never been able to get a pass. Um, but I entered a writing contest. Uh, I just had to write a little article about how gaming has influenced your life and all that stuff. And being a huge gamer wasn't too hard. And it turns out I won. I was one of 10 people who won out of, they said, hundreds of uh, submissions. So, you know, a little stoked on that, not to toot my own horn. I don't really consider myself a great writer, but uh, I was very, very excited. So going to E3, I cannot wait. I'm just so excited. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I, I've got... I can only go for two days, which, you know, it is what it is. I'm going, I'm going uh, Wednesday or Tuesday and I'm going Thursday. Wednesday, I have uh, an engagement that I have to be at. I can't miss it. And so going two days to E3, I hope that's enough time to see everything and to do everything. I don't know what it is like trying to get into the conferences because Square Enix and Nintendo are both having their big talks on Tuesday. Uh, I don't know if that's something you have to pre-register for or not, but I'm just going to go wing it. If I can get into those, I can get into them. If not, if not, I'm not going to, whatever. Uh, I'm just going to spend as much time on the on the expo floor as I can. I'm going to try out every piece of new technology that's out there. I want to I want to try Project Morpheus if it's there. I want to try the Oculus Rift. Just so ecstatic about this opportunity. I just couldn't believe it. I actually get to go and that I won, and that it's just amazing. So expect to hear a lot about E3 on the next episode. I'm going to just be taking notes. I'm going to try. If I can talk to developers or something like that, I'm going to bring I'm gonna bring a microphone that's going into my cell phone. Uh, if, if I see someone I want to talk to, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to try to ask them a few questions. Um, you know, for this podcast or for something that pertains to the sandbox, try to talk to them for the sandbox. Just oh, so excited. Can't help it. So anyways, that's it for this episode. I'm dinging out. I hope you had a good time. Man, time just flew by and we're already at 41 minutes. Craziness. So, with that, be sure to check out the website, dingingout.com. Find me on Twitter and on twitch.tv at sandboxquint. And of course, send me your emails, sandboxquint at gmail.com. Love to talk to you guys. Also, be sure to check me out, rate me, review me, whatever on iTunes. Subscribe. Just helps uh, helps get more listeners. Helps keep me motivated to do more episodes. If you like it, let me know. Thanks. I'll see you guys back in a couple weeks.